get comfortable with calling it the China virus. So in calling it like it is in just 30 seconds, because we're about to run out of time, is also banning these journalists uh, from working in Hong Kong. Is that a breach of the basic law? Uh, well, uh, we'll have to see how the United States uh, reacts, uh, you know, in the context of all the events from uh, last year, the passage of the, the Hong Kong Democracy Human Rights Act. Uh, but, but one thing to keep in mind is uh, we have to see how busy people in the United States get, you know, if their attention gets diverted from Hong Kong issues. So even though there are these bigger picture China-U.S. issues, obviously, U.S. federal government, uh, members of Congress are so busy dealing with the virus that uh, we should be watching for what they do specifically on Hong Kong issues going forward. Ross, thanks very much. That's uh, independent political risk consultant Ross Feingold. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, let's have a look at how the markets are doing this morning. Looking is still a bit sad in Australia. The SX200 is down about half a percent at the moment, but the Nikkei 225 uh, in Japan is managing to put in uh, a rally at the moment. It's trading up about 2%. Uh, here in Hong Kong, looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 400 points at the o open. Uh, and over in South Korea, the Cosby, that's down about uh, three quarters of 1%. We're seeing a big rally in Brent crude oil this morning, up about 7.5% from the New York close. It's trading at $28.09 a barrel. Gold uh, also up a little bit at $1,495 an ounce. And a surge in the dollar overnight. It's trading at 108.3 against the Japanese yen. And the British pound is languishing uh, just above $1.16. That's it for this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning for the final Money Talk of the week at 8 o'clock. The weather forecast for today, cloudy with occasional showers. Maximum temperature is going to be about 24 degrees. Few showers tomorrow and then humid with fog over the weekend and early next week. It's 21 degrees right now. And it's 85% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The European Central Bank has announced a surprise 750 billion euro scheme to purchase government and corporate bonds. It comes six days after the bank unveiled a big bank stimulus package that failed to calm nervous markets. Tokyo stocks opened more than 2% higher on the news. An analyst said the latest ECB move supports emergency monetary policy measures announced by the Bank of Japan on Monday. Australia's biggest airline, Qantas, is to cut all international flights by late March after the island's other main carrier, Virgin, shut its overseas services due to the virus pandemic. The government has told citizens to forego all overseas travel. Qantas's chief executive, Alan Joyce, said 20,000 of its 30,000 staff would be laid off. The United States and Canada have closed their border to all but essential traffic because of the coronavirus pandemic. In Washington, the U.S. Senate has overwhelmingly passed legislation providing billions of dollars to limit economic damage. President Trump also signed into law a Defense Production Act. His BBC's Gary O'Donoghue. It allows the president to intervene in the American economy and effectively kind of use parts of that economy for national purposes. And that's going to be in particular to produce more ventilators. The vice president acknowledged today that they only had 10,000 spare ones. Other things to note, the Red Cross have started to say that they're seeing some shortages of blood in hospitals because blood drives are being cancelled. Also, the Pentagon looking at deploying military-style field hospitals around the country if needed that could have the capacity in total of about a thousand beds. 
Italy has suffered the highest number of deaths from the coronavirus in a single day of any country since the outbreak began in China last December. Another 475 people have died, bringing the total in Italy to nearly 3,000. The head of the National Institute of Health, Silvio Brusaferro, gave details of those who died. Dice che il 48.5% avevano tre o più patologie. 48.5% of the deceased had three or more pathologies. Often these are people over 70 years old. We've already said the peak is between 80 and 89 years old. These are people who are living in what we call a situation of fragility. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today is Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. Well, so we've been hearing many people, including students, have rushed back to Hong Kong before that mandatory quarantine came into force. What's going to be the effect of these returns as we get the highest number of new cases in Hong Kong in a day, most of them coming from overseas? What kind of choices do we have? And what happens to people who won't observe the quarantine? And overseas, what's happening in Europe now? It seems the epicentre of the epidemic. We'll be hearing about developments in France and in Italy. As ever, we welcome your comments, your thoughts, your questions. Call us on 233-88266. Drop us an email, bankchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages. Uh, or you can go to our Facebook page, Bankchat and RTHK Radio 3, and uh, share your comments with everybody there. Joining us for the first part of the programme now, we have Dr Henry Young, President of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union, and Dr Gabriel Choi, former President of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Our number, once again, 233 266. Uh, I have quite a few emails. Um, let's just start off with a few that uh, bring us close to our first topic uh, today. Uh, we'll have to edit these a little bit for length. Um, Peter says, Hong Kong people have realised that most Western countries are already beyond containment. People are rushing back because they feel safer here than in Europe or the USA, as Hong Kong, Singapore and China have demonstrated that they can contain COVID-19 through decisive actions and local citizens have a much better risk awareness and generally being more disciplined. Also, there is, a there is a stigma of wearing face masks in public and growing discrimination towards Asians. Europe and the US wasted valuable time to implement containment measures, effective testing, contact tracing, and to educate and prepare its population. Examine the distribution of the infections in Europe and the US. They don't just have one Wuhan, they have multiple fast-growing regional infection clusters, which all have the potential to turn into multiple Wuhan's. Uh, uh, Peter points to uh, a, a website called worldmeters.info uh, uh, with the uh, coronavirus section of that, which is which is very interesting. Thanks for that, Peter. Uh, uh, Peter says, uh, if you look at the statistics here, you can sort the statistics by uh, different categories. And if you sort them by total infections per million population, you'll see that many countries have a proportionally much higher infection rate than China had. Italy is 10 times that uh, of uh, China, uh, Switzerland six times, France double, and so on. This will be devastating because proportionately the higher numbers also mean those countries might have less resources and medical teams to deal with the cases. Uh, it's a very worrying and sad development. That comes from uh, Peter. And uh, Alison says, Dear Backchat, against the backdrop of a spike in imported cases, I wanted to share with your listeners the abhorrent behaviour of some pampered, uh, privileged, over-pampered individuals. Over the past few days, most, if not all, private clubs have introduced strict guidelines for members and their guests to restrict
restrict the risk of spreading the virus. In a nutshell, members and guests have been told not to use club facilities if they've returned to Hong Kong or had had contact with anyone who's returned to Hong Kong in the past 14 days. In some cases, such as the Hong Kong Jockey Club, members have to complete a form of acknowledgement each time they enter the club, with any false declarations being treated as a serious breach of club rules. Unfortunately, some members clearly feel they are above the law. Yesterday, a number of returnees tried to enter various Hong Kong Island clubs. In some cases, they were thankfully turned away by staff. In others, they simply lied that they'd recently travelled so that they could use the club's swimming pool and gym. But perhaps the most egregious behaviour that I heard came from an expat family who had just returned from overseas. The mother has developed a fever. She sent her kids, who attended uh, Hong Kong International School, to the American club in Taitam, while her husband has continued going to the office, albeit wearing a mask. When reminded there is a two-week quarantine in place, the woman simply shrugged it off. As an expat myself, I would be ashamed to be associated with people like this and can only hope they represent a small minority of our community. It's our civic duty to call out and castigate these selfish and callous individuals. Fellow members should pass the names of any of these individuals to the clubs who can deal with them for breaching club rules. While some members may be reluctant to blow the whistle on fellow members, they should bear in mind that the rule breakers are putting you and your families at risk. That uh, thought from Alison once again. Our telephone number two three three eight eight two six six. You can email back chat at rthk. Doctor Young, good morning to you. Good morning, Dominic. Uh, so we have this new development with a lot of imported cases now. A lot of people arriving here bringing the the disease uh, to Hong Kong. Uh, are you worried about this? Uh, what can we do about it? Is there anything we can do about it? I mean, uh, Hong Kong has uh, been doing a good job already for the past two two months in in uh, containing the virus, and now there's uh, uh, the burden from uh, outside Hong Kong. Uh, people coming back uh, mounting to ten thousand a day, and this is a really a challenge to the health authority how to contain them and how to detect any early uh, virus. Uh, uh, sufferers, you know, the COVID-19, and make sure they are they are treated properly in the hospitals. And there, and the problem is we have not enough uh, spaces for isolation of quarantine. That's the most important problem. And the, so the government has to uh, change that. Some of them have to go to back to the home for home quarantine. And we don't know how how genuine the the, the, the people are when they are at home, how young they, they will be uh, behave themselves. Just like you said, when uh, we we go to the club, some 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 guys may not declare they have been to, to travel to other countries at all, and this is a very important. And we have to uh, do a lot of public education on these people when they have uh, they have to go for home quarantine. Make sure that they don't leave their home. Make sure that, that they are isolated from their homemates. If, uh, if if not, and they will be the source of infection for for the for the for the uh, home, um, yeah, including uh, maybe including elderly and youth, and that's very dangerous. And these these people, uh, when they got to the home quarantine, infect their home, the 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 the, 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 the family members, and these family members go to the streets, and there another source of uh, infection going around the community. And uh, we have to urge the health authority to make sure that. They, these people are strictly adhering to the rules of home quarantine, and this is very important. Not just a, the, the punishments, no, not not help at all in, in this uh, very critical period. So, Dr. Young, do you think the government should crack down on allowing this flood of people to just whoosh back in? 
I think uh, we 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 cannot do that as a uh, humanitarian aid because uh, they are all uh, coming back uh, from outside countries. You know, they are all they are all citizens of Hong Kong. We have to care about that. Just like we are returning Hong Kong people from from China, and uh, we may we may stop uh, uh, people coming from other countries, foreigners uh, returning to Hong Kong if. If that, that is there's the rule, and um, and uh, but the certain influence of so many people, uh, but they is uh, is lousy. I think. I think. I think the government should plan uh, well before head before they they come back. I think the uh, allowance won't come too too uh, drastic and too sudden. And um, actually, the government should have uh, detailed. Analysis before such announcement, but, and but, really, but, it, but really if you, if you, you gave fire arrangement so that they can return uh, in a not so rush manner, you know, so so many people per day, and we have to buy time to contain the virus. Otherwise, all the hospitals and public uh, service will be flooded and over overburdened, and the health um, health health system may may go into collapse anytime. Okay, so they should have found a way to let them in gradually. Okay. What about when we've had suggestions that but people arriving, new arrivals, go into compulsory quarantine, go into the government quarantine? Is that is that feasible? Uh, it's it's, uh, it's 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 very important to have uh, absolute quarantine for fourteen days uh, because we don't know which one got the virus, you know, and they are all asymptomatic. Even for the PCR test, they may be negative in the beginning. And that's a that's very very important, and and so 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 I, in the beginning I just said uh, because there's not enough space for absolute quarantine, that's why the government is choosing the home quarantine. I think the other choice the uh, people are talking about why don't we use the hotels, which already uh, there's no 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 guests inside there, mm. and uh, we have to ask the hotel industry to help to quarantine this. Uh, Hong Kong people coming back. I think, Dr. Young, that happened already, didn't it? About four or five weeks ago, the government tapped up several hotels and were very sharply told uh, to go packing on that idea. So I think the hotels aren't that keen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w w one question that was uh, raised in uh, Alison's uh, email there is, well, what about family members? If somebody is, is uh, uh, doing compulsory quarantine at home, is the whole family yeah. supposed to do to follow, or can the can the I family? I think the whole family has to be very careful because if we don't know uh, their family member has got the disease or not, even the government or health authority uh, doesn't know, and the, the family members have to take all the uh, precautions like PPE, and uh, we have to uh, dis uh, social distancing and so on. So for for those those whole families, uh, the the home is. Uh, large enough, spacious enough, and it's okay. For those uh, who, uh, who have no enough space in the home, I think the, they have to go into isolation uh, uh, camps uh, set up by the government. Okay. Uh, Dr. Choi, good morning to you. Thanks for, for, for joining us. Uh, what, what do you make of this sudden increase in the number of cases? Is there, uh, is there anything we can do about it? Well, the number of cases which uh, arise from single digit to 25 yesterday is uh, humongous and uh, it causes a 
grim outlook for the uh, epidemic in Hong Kong. I think uh, uh, what government is doing is still inadequate. I think, uh, as Dr. Young said, uh, those who are returning and have compulsory home quarantine will be spreading the disease to other family members. And if the other family members are not restricted <coughs> to the quarantine themselves, then uh, they will be spreading the disease outside of their home uh, to, the, to the society. So this is the first point. Despite the electronic uh, uh, gadget uh, to control their stay in their home, I don't think it's enough. And the, uh, the, the number we estimate is about 50,000 will be returning back to Hong Kong. We can't... Uh, refuse entry because these are Hong Kong citizens. Uh, but we have to do better. I think uh, uh, at the entry site in the, in the airport, we can create a uh, surveillance point whereby all entry, the, all en all en entry citizens can have their uh, uh, tests done, either the uh, deep saliva test or the nasal swab. Uh, at one point in time, I, I understand that they are doing this uh, at random at the present moment, but I don't think that's enough. I think uh, they have they have to <clears throat> segregate a site whereby all all entries are uh, checked so that uh, we can know who and who amongst the uh, 50,000 are uh, uh, carrying the virus and <clears throat> segregating those uh, in particular. Uh, as for the hospital bed, uh, it is going to be inadequate. I think 60% of the beds are already filled and the uh, isolation wards are up to 80% occupancy. So <clears throat> we are facing a uh, disaster. And what the hospital authority can do is right now is to let all those uh, non-infectious disease patients uh, released to outside doctors so that they can be treated in the private hospitals. I don't think the private hospitals can cater for the um, can cater for the infectious case because they don't have enough uh, negative pressure rooms and uh, isolation wards. But they can sure cater for those uh, non-infectious case. Uh, so and, and, and the government would pay for that? Of course the government will have to pay for that. I think KLM said money is no problem. So uh, if money is no problem, then of course we can also... Uh, rent uh, uh, the hotel rooms uh, at a price because the hotel, uh, uh, the hotel management are moaning that uh, they don't have uh, any clients at all. So if they are really uh, asking for public uh, government assistance, uh, they should uh, release their rooms uh, for these uh, uh, self-quarantine uh, people. And uh, I, I think uh, I think that's. that's about, uh, I think lastly, the, we still have uh, areas in Hong Kong uh, occupied by the People's Liberation Army. And uh, these uh, army camps uh, can have barracks, uh, which can, can, can have barracks which can be used for isolation. I think uh, this will show goodwill of the Chinese government. Okay, some uh, comments from uh, listeners. Uh 
let's go to this one from uh, this is from Matthew, who says, if you have a suitable expert on the programme this morning, I'm not sure whether Dr. Young or Dr. Choi qualify. Uh, Matthew says, I'm interested to know if it's really possible that the mainland could go so quickly from having 1,000 or so new domestically originated cases of the Wuhan virus per day to having virtually none now. Well, in fact, none. Uh, if so, could the expert explain how could it be possible? Dr. Young, any, any comment on that? Uh, is it credible that there are no new infections now in, in China? I think everything is possible. In, if there's a strict control by the government, and uh, this is, this depends on the, uh, the high determination of the government, whether she's going to do all the things that she can. Uh, if all the things can be done, just like what uh, Donald Trump said, can be done in the in the airport that we have to test every every uh, patient, uh, every citizen and, and entering the, in Hong Kong, then it will be a good good thing. But it depend, depends on the resources that we have. So I, I, I would urge the Hong Kong government also like uh, Donald Trump to, to to do all the tests in in the in the in the, in the airport. Well, like well, hang on, but the trouble there surely is that you don't get the results. What do you do while you're waiting for the results? And also, what about the people who uh, will go on to develop, but you can't? Then they won't have it at the moment. Yeah, I think I think the the time is not uh, too too long for the result to to be uh, to be shown. I think within a few hours the the result will be back. And um, I think uh, we have to develop new tests for uh, shorter reporting time, and that's. There's a very important part, important, important part, and I think what all you just said that the, with a, with a, with enough resources, you know, real government that we can stop the virus uh, anytime. Okay, uh, a question. This is from Mike Rouse, actually, our, our Monday host, uh, who says, Hi, guys. Is there a government hotline where people can ask questions on implementation of the quarantine arrangements? For example, if someone enters Hong Kong and goes into quarantine in a hotel or private room, what happens if they want to leave Hong Kong after a few days? Can they go to the airport and fly out? Uh, question mark. Dr. Choi, any answer on that? I, I don't know of a hotline, a single hotline, but um, do you know about that? There's also there's a website now which is coronavirus.gov.hk, uh, which does have, um, uh, to be quite honest, it's quite hard to find the home quarantine guidelines. If you click on the thing that says home quarantine guidelines, you get uh, points about travel, really. 
uh, home decoration system. Anyway, you can check that out, uh, Mike, uh, <laughs> uh, if you like. Uh, one more comment. This is um, uh, from Bowen, who says, "Dear back chat, Professor Yunquak Young and his David, David and his colleague David Lung should be congratulated for having penned a most timely and elegantly worded column published in the Ming Power newspaper yesterday. The duo have subsequently been diplomatic, and no doubt because of the attack they have come under since yesterday, retracted the column." That does not detract from the literary merit of the original column, which was written in the delightful style of classical Chinese. The live wild animal or game trade in the mainland has also been reported on in an article in the March issue of the Hong Kong Economic Journal Monthly. As I tried to highlight in my email to Backchat on March the 11th, before all live animals are totally eliminated from markets in the mainland, live animals caught from the wild, which have originated not just from the mainland, but for also from other places such as Southeast Asia and Africa, and transported to the mainland should be speedily and decisively eliminated from the markets. As pointed out by Professor Yun and David Lung in their column, the live game trade was initially banned in the mainland after the SARS outbreak in 2003. But their trading in markets, even in the middle of major mainland cities, have crept back into the system since then, resulting in the current disaster. That comes uh, from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed for that. Backchat at rthk.hk uh, is our email address. If you want to uh, learn more about what uh, Bowen was talking about there, that particular article, I think there's a couple of news stories in the... Uh, in the RTHK news website. Jay says in an email, masks and spacesuits are supposed to keep the virus in or keep the virus out. Hong Kong needs to rent five or ten aircraft carriers or ships or hotel ships, but of course they need to sort out their sterilisation and ventilation. We don't want the people in Hong Kong for two weeks, set them on the ship, then they can't get off. You can send as many doctor research teams there where to get lots of samples and experiments. Money is a problem because it can run out. Why should the government subsidise those? that have good jobs overseas and probably don't pay tax uh, in Hong Kong. Those uh, thoughts uh, from uh, Jay. Thank you very much indeed uh, for those. Uh, let's see, one more here from uh, S, who says, regarding using hotels for quarantine, isn't there a risk of creating breeding grounds and infection clusters? We should take the example of cruise liners, where so many people got infected because they were packed in one place. What about the safety of staff? Hopefully the public can cooperate. In India, the government is putting a stamp on the back of a person's hand. If that person is seen outside, then he or she needs to be asked to get back home. That comes uh, from uh, S. Um, what, what about the idea of... of, uh, of well, the extraordinary idea that they have in France, uh, which is basically everyone has got to stay home. Uh, you've got to stay in your house unless you have a very good reason to leave the house and you have to fill in a form if you want to leave the house. That kind of lockdown, and that's the kind of lockdown we saw in, as well in cities in, in some cities in China. Um, would that be a good idea? Would that be feasible? Dr Choi, what do you think? I think it would be difficult because uh, Hong Kong is still... Uh running at, uh, I think, maybe 70% uh, of, the, of uh, what they used to do. Used to do. So um, if it is a complete lockdown, it, it, it's going to be very difficult in Hong Kong because the people would, uh, again, uh, go to the supermarkets to buy up all the toilet papers and everything, and then uh, the, the people can't go to see their doctors for the minor illness and they will all rush to the uh, emergency department, and all the big business uh, can't even. Um, you, you still have to go back to the office, even if you do uh, uh, do your work at home uh, to do uh, odd jobs. So 
So, Dr Choi, what can the government do now? We've had 10,000 mostly students come winging it back in from America and Europe. How can we deal with the next 10,000 today, tomorrow, and all the rest of them who are kind of we panic flying? We are flying? about 50,000 in total. Yeah. Of those uh, returning back. And it's going to be a huge disaster. That's why Dr Ho uh suggested using the hotels and uh, negotiating a... Uh, I, I think uh, it's... Um, government can afford it. They should negotiate a, a price to to rent a whole hotel and uh, and uh, uh, stop the the waiters and waitress with uh, protective guns so that uh, and, and all the all the students are supposed to be inside the room and not going to uh, outdoors to uh, gymnasiums and swimming pools and so on. So uh, the food will be served. Uh, with uh, the food uh, placed outside the door, and I think uh, this kind of quarantine uh, uh, may work. And as I said just now, is uh, the army barracks can provide uh, camps for these uh, returnees from uh, UK or US. Uh, then it may help. Uh, I, I think uh, they, they are they are still. Uh, Places for quarantine in in Hong Kong, which government uh, is uh, thinking about, uh, like uh, still there the new housing estates uh, which has not been used, and um, all, all these can be considered at the present moment. But uh, the the fact is, if you have to quarantine the fifty thousand students, you have to quarantine fifty thousand homes, uh, the 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 parents as well, uh, and this will be the difficult part. Uh, I don't know how they are going to get about it. I I think the Electronic process is useful, but not uh, uh, useful to not useful enough to prevent contamination of the whole household. Okay. Well, doc- Dr. Henry Young, thank you very much indeed for joining us, President of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union. Thank you to Dr. Gabriel Choi, former President of the Medical Association. We'll be hearing more about the situation uh, in Europe after the news at nine. Drop us a line. Oh, and there is a hotline. The Centre for Health Protection hotline is two one two five one one two. Two, 21251122, although most of the information is at uh, coronavirus.gov.hk. The weather, cloudy with occasional showers, 21 degrees at the moment, relative humidity is now at 86%. Conducted on extremely sick patients, the mortality rate was 22% in the study. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Bank Chat on a Thursday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Hugh Chiverton. We were talking in the first part of the programme today about uh, developments uh, uh, in Hong Kong with those uh, many people uh, returning from US and uh, Europe uh, and the impact on our numbers with those increasing substantially. Uh, we also want to talk uh, in the second part of the programme this morning now about uh, developments uh, in Europe, which it seems is the, the epicentre now of the uh, epidemic. Uh, we're joined by uh, Florence de Shang who's a correspondent for Le Monde, the French newspaper, and uh, French national radio, uh, and also by Ricardo Silvestri, who's a contributor of Forbes Italy. Once again, uh, you can uh, join in by calling us on 233-88266, or you can email backchat at rthk.hk, or you can leave a message, of course, on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, and you can share, and uh, everyone can discuss uh, your thoughts there. Uh, just relating to our earlier discussion, Drake says, to answer Matthew's question in the first part of the programme on how is it 
possible that there's no new cases in Wuhan. Uh, Wuhan doctors told Apple Daily that their hospitals were ordered to stop offering high-accuracy blood tests of the coronavirus. A doctor was startled when all patients were discharged before blood tests could be arranged. The doctor said, frankly, that this is a kind of political diagnosis and political cure, in inverted commas. That comes uh, from Drake. Back to rthk.hk, once again, is our email address. Uh, Mr. Shangi, good morning to you. Madam? Good morning. Good morning, yes. Thank you for, for, for joining us today. OK, uh, to tell, explain, first of all, very severe measures now uh, being implemented in France. What are they uh, and what's the reaction been? Well, uh, the main one have, uh, uh, has been to uh, announce um, everyone has to stay home uh, for uh, two weeks. Uh, just, just yesterday, uh, later, there was a new one. Uh, voted by Parliament, where uh, they've actually called for uh, a state of sanitary emergency under which uh, everyone is even more uh, legally uh, obliged to stay home for 12 days to start with. And, yeah, it's very stringent. It means that people can't theoretically even go out, even though they, they can go out for, uh, I mean, for very, very good reasons. Uh, but even walking your dog is just on the on the at the limit of what you're allowed to do. So uh, I was I was just uh, reading and hearing from people who have been stopped on the street and on the road. Uh, you have to produce uh, a paper in attestation explaining that you have to download in advance, explaining what you, what you're going to do while you're on the road and not uh, at home. Apparently, some people who are even on their balcony were told to go back in, but that's extreme. I, I've also heard of people who were, uh, I mean, there is tolerance. And, and of course, because it's the very early, early days of, this, uh, of these new measures, uh, uh, it's not implemented in the same way everywhere. And, and you, you don't have enough police to check on um, the, the millions of French people. So, Florence, if you're old and you're at home with no printer, as I'm sure many people would be, how, how, do, you, uh, how do you deal with this? Yeah, for the attestation, uh, I, was, uh, I heard that now you can also uh, handwrite it. Uh, I think, you know, there's going to be so many uh, problems and complications that they will uh, discover uh, as it is being implemented. There are obviously many uh, situations that they have not anticipated, uh, people who need to go out for reasons which are not officially good ones, um, going, hopefully, hopefully they will be uh, flexible and a little bit agile in the way, uh, you know, the rule change. But yesterday alone, uh, I've heard of hundreds of fines which have already been uh, given to people who were out with no good reason. So, um, uh, and it will take... Uh, French are not best at, uh, I mean, they're not, they're not well known for uh, law-abiding. I think a bit like uh, we share that with the uh, uh, Italian uh, neighbors. So, um, there was so much, I mean, resistance even to the idea that this virus was something serious. And even now, I mean, I must say from all the people I talk to, including in my own family, I've been fighting to just try and explain to them that this was serious. And... Most of them would not believe it, and I have a sister who is a doctor. She's contaminated. I have so many people in the family who seem to be contaminated without knowing it. I mean, without knowing it for sure. Uh, it shows, 
yeah, it shows a, a level of uh, unpreparedness, which is uh, a stark contrast with what we saw here in Hong Kong. So, um, yeah, it's very preoccupying. And, and it looks to me as if, uh, whether we want it or not, and not like uh, uh, Boris Johnson said, but it looks to me like the whole country is, <laughs> will, will be in for that. So uh, I don't see, even now, considering the numbers, um, how they can escape it. So it seems a lottery, Florence. If you look at the death rates, if you're in Italy, <clears throat> you have a 9% chance of dying. You're much better off in France, however, 2.7%. How do you account, and um, maybe you can take a pan-European view of this, how do you account for the fact that the death rates vary hugely depending on where you are? I mean, if you're in Switzerland, it's less than 1%. Oh, I, I think, I mean, um, the death a question from for some scientists because it it all has how many deaths on and since very clearly they have no idea of the people of the real number of contaminated people uh, I think these numbers at this point mean nothing because uh, all the people I know who suspect they've been contaminated uh, including this uh, sister who is a doctor they don't even know for sure because they haven't uh, done the official test. So it may mean that there are more people who have been tested formally in Italy and uh, more or, or less, and then the number of deaths goes on to this. So I think it's great worthy, and I don't see why the virus would kill more people in one country than, than in another one, unless, of course, there was a huge discrepancy in, uh, in the care. But um, I, I wouldn't rely too much on these numbers at the moment because I think that we do not know at all how many people are contaminated. And when I see the official numbers in France, I can tell you that all the people I know of have not been accounted for, and, and it's already a lot. So uh, I think these numbers are completely underestimated. Right. Underestimated. Mm. Okay. Is there, what's been the reaction to, to these measures? Is there, do you think people will have accepted them? Uh, or is there much opposition? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, it, it varies as well, depending uh, on the, um, yeah, on, on the mood and on the regions, possibly, and all this. Um, generally, they came as a shock because uh, nothing so serious has happened, as they said, you know, since uh, since the Second uh, World War. So. Um, it may have been a little bit of a wake-up call, like, oh, wow, uh, it must be serious. Uh, but the day before, you still had people partying, and apparently even on the day, the first day uh, where, it, where it started, which was uh, Monday, um, people in some places in Paris were just not aware, apparently, and life was 100% normal. And when police went there and said, you realize you're supposed to stay home, apparently it was as if, oh, come on. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it will take, uh, take some time, I think, uh, before uh, there is um, a general and homogeneous uh, response to it. But before that, there were already, obviously, measures like to protect the old people. The, all the visits had been already uh, closed and forbidden in the, um, uh, you know, uh, rest um, all the old people homes and things like that. Uh, which are very problematic, obviously. And now I was hearing of, uh, in some buildings, uh, the people who can go out because they have the right to do so or because they're in good health, uh, they've put some papers to say, let us know what you need, and they will uh, do the shopping for some other people. So 
depending on the places, there is some there are some yeah signs of solidarity, etc. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see very early hours. So, are the big supermarkets like Mammut and Auchan still open? Yes, some of them are in uh, restricted. Uh, I think for restricted hours and, and things like that, people still. They, I mean, of course, the, the government understands that people need to uh, feed themselves. Um, so, uh, but many shops uh, are closed. One of my uh, son is uh, in Brittany, and it's really like a dead, uh, completely dead, uh, dead country and dead village. Hmm. Okay, well, also with us, as I say, is uh, Riccardo Silvestri, a contributor with Forbes uh, Italy. Mr. Silvestri, good morning to you. Hello, good morning, everybody. Hi, thank you much indeed for joining us. So, so tell, tell us your thank situation. You for me. I think you were, you were in Italy quite recently, is that right? Yes, correct. Correct. Um, I'm now observing quarantine in Hong Kong, actually. When did you get back? Oh, I got back uh, 10 days ago, just before, uh, just before they blocked everything, basically. Mm. Well, and, and what's the situation like in Italy when you were there? Oh, well, very concerning, very, very concerning. So I was there with my family, and uh, uh, I remember I left it just before the government announced those uh, draconian measures. So now in Italy, um, as Florence said, the situation is very similar to what's happening in France. I think we started even earlier because um, if the situation in Italy started to get bad, uh, we were basically the, the first European country uh, hit by the emergency. So now um, almost everything is shut down. Um, what our government said is all the unnecessary situation uh, has to be avoided. So uh, people cannot meet outside anymore. Uh, when they go to supermarket, now only the two people at a time can go in supermarket, two people out, two people in. Um, only necessary activities are open, like supermarkets are open, banks are open, pharmacies are open, uh, and uh, everything else has to be avoided. So people don't concentrate aside, uh, people don't gather together, um, and uh, yeah, so basically only what is totally necessary for survival. How long can this continue, do you think? <sighs> That's a very good question. Uh, but not long, also because people are getting very nervous. So uh, now what happens basically every day at 6 p.m., uh, all the people gather at the window and they start singing outside, which may sound very silly, but it's actually something extremely useful for, uh, for their uh, personality to, for, to, to, to carry on, basically, so they know they're not alone. They know the problem is just affecting the whole population. So they open the window and they sing, they start singing the national anthem and then they sing popular Italian songs just to, just to you know, uh, as a symbol of uh, we're struggling together, we're here together. Hmm. Okay, uh, c uh, a couple of uh, emails. Uh, Backchat at rthk.hk once again is our, is our email address. Uh, can I just repeat, please, if... Uh, Please don't write under multiple names. Uh, there's no need. You can just write under the same name uh, as it's misleading otherwise to use multiple names. Okay. This is from Norman who says, The Italian embassy in Beijing has urged Chinese people to give cash donations on its website to Italian organizations including the Civil Protection Department, the national body in Italy that deals with the prediction, prevention and management of emergency events, which is supervised by the Prime Minister's office with details of the Italian Treasury's current account. And uh, Norman has sent uh, the uh, link in Italian uh, f uh, with the details of the uh, uh, donation place. Norman 
Norman says this is unprecedented for a first world nation to ask the people of another country for cash donations. Why aren't the other European governments and their people helping Italy, a member of the European Union? Instead, the German government has imposed an export ban on personal protective equipment, banning export to other countries, including other EU countries. Italy has had to face a huge problem with the influx of illegal immigrants and now has to face a massive coronavirus outbreak alone, question mark. And McWing says, hi, a new poll in Italy already shows the political impact the coronavirus is having on Italy and their relationship with the EU, with a whopping 88% saying the EU is not helping us. The number of people saying the EU membership is an advantage has dropped to just 16%. Also, Germany and France were condemned by other EU member states for blocking the export of vital medical supplies, calling into question the bloc's solidarity in times of crisis, and there's a link to a story over that. It turns out the... the Turns out Britain did the right thing by quitting the sinking ship. That comes from McWing. Um, uh, any any thoughts on that, uh, Ricardo? Uh, any, any, uh, um, we've read other, you know, accounts of uh, uh, EU being severely fractured, Italy being angry with the uh, EU, and, and so on. Any any thoughts on that? Well, um, angry. I, I don't think so. So this emergency to all of us by surprise, uh, uh, the European Union could not expect uh, this to happen. So, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say angry. I would say, yeah, definitely uh, we need uh, help and uh, we need plans to make plans for this. So now we um, we actually are receiving a lot of help from China. So uh, China is sending to us a fake map that we do not have and. Uh, uh, also, people, individual people, that are making very generous donations. So uh, I remember uh, Italy helped China in 2008 uh, when there was a bad earthquake in Sichuan. Rica- and now, Ricardo, uh, helping us back. Ricardo, if you go back even further, if you're as old as me, you'll remember that actually there was a very close relationship between Italy and China after Tiananmen Square, and I think it was Armani okay. and, and several other oh, Italian yeah, companies continued to deal with China after everybody else stopped. So I think this is a very old relationship that they're calling in now, isn't it? It is, it is. I totally agree, yes. With a relationship also based on solidarity, which is a um, very interesting phenomenon and it's still going on. Uh, okay, some more uh, emails. David says, uh, wonderful, let's not pump any more... Let's not pump any money into the hotel industry. Let the government rent the hotels at China prices, get a bit of money circulation, but many of the students, their parents, can afford expensive universities and education, so let them pay for the hotels. This is a reference to the first part of the programme today. If hotels can afford to drop their prices by 900%, they can let the government house the students and put security around the hotel. That comes uh, from uh, Jay. Uh, and uh, Ro says, thanks as always for your coverage on all things topical. It's insightful and interesting. My question is around the action or lack thereof by the Hong Kong government. With the rest of the world enforcing stringent measures to shut restaurants, bars and ban public gatherings, why does the Hong Kong government allow things to remain unchanged? I understand the economic impact, but perhaps that's where the Hong Kong government needs more decisive action to help business and employees and not put their lives and the lives of the public at risk. Risk that uh, question from uh, Roe. Uh, Florence Deshaggy, could, could, could you 
do you think we should be doing that in Hong Kong? I know you're not an expert or anything like that, but you know the uh, you know we took certain measures, and and now uh, it seems that France and Italy and other European countries, even maybe the UK, are are, are planning now more extreme measures that, than we took. Would they? Could you translate them to Hong Kong? Um, no, but what I think is extraordinary, and what I, and that's where unfortunately the the Hong Kong uh, model or uh, example can't really be followed uh, in France or Italy because they don't have the background and they don't have the culture of uh, South. But uh, what I found really exemplary in uh, in Hong Kong is the way the Hong Kong people have reacted. It's unbelievable that, uh, I mean, I, it was for me because uh, in uh, South, I was between Malaysia and Taiwan, so I only saw a little bit of it and I didn't see it in Hong Kong. But I was absolutely uh, fascinated to see that basically overnight uh, you had 80% and the next day 99% of people wearing a mask. Even though there were no masks and no one could find them, you still had this population who said, okay, we do not trust our government. Uh, we, don't, we don't really believe what they're doing. They're late at closing the borders. Uh, they, they're not looking after the hospital staff or whatever, but we know what we have to do. We're going to cover our face, even though they keep telling us that it's not necessary. And the numbers are speaking for themselves. You had 200,000 people still arriving, I think, on the Tuesday before the first closure of borders. And then, uh, of course, the numbers went down. But Hong Kong, I keep saying, is the most, was basically the most exposed to China with 14 uh, borders. Um, and, um, and, and all these people coming in and out. And yet, the numbers of, uh, cases, uh, and of, uh, death, the death rate, uh, is incredibly low. So, um, we, it's extraordinary that basically you did not need to have these measures. And I think the attitude of the Hong Kong people is 10 times more efficient than very, I mean, very stark um, uh, measures like, uh, like in France. But in France, we don't have uh, this background. We don't have this discipline. People clearly, completely misunderstand the problem. And, uh, and therefore, uh, the government, it's actually because the initial uh, recommendations were not being followed that the government had to in and take even more stringent uh, measures. So Florence, you speak a lot to the local population, but I was down in Peel Street last Friday night and I was appalled. I was just trying to walk through and I was forced to elbow my way through a crowd of expats, none of them wearing masks, all of them seemingly thinking they're immune. Do, do you think there's a problem with the expat com uh, population in Hong Kong who, who also share this European invincible idea? Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, uh, Anna. Uh, that really, really annoys me, and I find it, um, I find it almost insulting to um, to the place that is uh, welcoming us. To be, uh, to be honest, but that's only my my point of view. And I think where you you say you're in Rome, uh, make like uh, Romans, and, and whether you think it's useless or you think it's uh, going to save your life. Uh, you just do what you, what the local people expect you uh, to do, and and you show that we are all together in this. And um, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't think it's the, it's, it's the proper approach. And I think that if it was the other way around, and um, in in one of the other countries, everyone was doing something, and you would have a specific 
group of uh, immigrants or um, expats in the other country behaving completely differently, it there would be probably less tolerance. Um, yeah, um, I, I share your, your view on this. I'm a bit annoyed. Actually, last time I um, realized I had lost my mask to come home from uh, Central, and I was so embarrassed, I, I kind of jumped into a taxi and, and went into my pullover or something, because I was not going to take the MTR without a mask. I feel it... Uh, not for me. Uh, it's not. It's not for my safety, but just as a as a gesture towards everyone else. I think it, that should be. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a good point. If, if, if you imagine, say, there was a group of mainlanders who were doing that, <laughs> who, who were partying regularly in a particular location in a big crowd without without any virus, without any uh, mask or something like that, the attitude uh, might be different. Uh, uh, Ricardo Silvestri. Um, uh, again, you're, you're not a medical expert or an epidemiologist or anything like that, as far as I know. Um, but you know, what was your thinking? What on what are people saying? What went wrong in Italy? Because Italy has been hit, you know, arguably more worse than anywhere else in the world. You know, in terms of the population, uh, in terms of deaths. Uh, why did it go so bad in Italy? Uh, this is a very difficult question to answer. Probably, when you need an immunologist. Um, what I can say is. Uh, probably it's also in how we report the cases. So many politicians in Italy now they're saying we're not more hit by the virus, we've just been more honest in reporting. So I don't know if this is true or not, but of course it's very, um, it's very strange that nearly we have 30,000 cases and in other countries, so like, uh, I don't know, in France and Germany, we have uh, seven or 8,000. Um, there is always a nation that is hit before and more than the other. So uh, this historically is, is, is true. It always happens. Uh, I see there is no reason why um, Italy should be uh, a higher in Italy there should be a higher concentration uh, than in other countries. Um, so it started first, and it's likely to, and hopefully it will end first. Mm. Uh, okay, a couple of comments. This is from uh, Matthew, who earlier asked a question about uh, whether the figures from the mainland were, were credible. Uh, uh, basically, reporting now no uh, new domestically originated yeah. cases. Uh, Matthew said, uh, "I put the question to to a doctor in the first part of the program." Matthew says, "I don't really feel I got a substantive answer to my question. I think it's an important to be clear on. I hope you can put a to a future guest with the appropriate expertise." On another note, I agree with Bowen that the Ming Pao article yesterday by the two Hong Kong microbiologists was brilliant and brave. Their retraction was even better because, if carefully read, it was not really a retraction. Bravo, boys. That comes uh, from Matthew. And uh, Florence Tushangi, um maybe we could uh, just ask you a couple of questions with your other hat on and the, uh, as, a, as a correspondent. Um, Herman, uh, in uh, an email says, on the subject of reporters being kicked out, it's unfortunate that China has forced out reporters from certain American publications, but at least with respect to Hong Kong riots, China does have a point regarding biased coverage. While these publications were full of vitriol about police brutality, I struggle to recall if and when these same outlets gave much mention to local terrorism, the hardship rioters caused to local business, workers and the people they assaulted, set, far, set on fire or even murdered. In fact, I would be surprised if they report about Hong Kong's drop in business freedom rankings, but fail to note this was a result of protests started by violent protesters, i.e. rioters. If these professional journalists had done a proper job of fair reporting, is it possible they would not have been kicked out? 
By the way, isn't it funny that uh, after calling China the sick man of Asia, alleging China failed to take adequate measures to contain the COVID-19 virus and even lying about the true figures, the Wall Street Journal runs a story about people fleeing to the new safe haven, China. And there's a link to a Wall Street Journal, people fleeing coronavirus, head to a new safe haven, uh, China. Uh, Mr. Shangi, what, what do you think of the... Uh, um, uh, also, a question for Herman, actually, as well. Um, Herman, uh, it seems that these pe- the people who have been removed from, Hong- from China will not also be allowed to, to operate in Hong Kong. What, what do you think of that? That's a, that's a new development for, for the mainland to determine who can report in, in, in Hong Kong. Mr. Shangi, do you want to respond to that? What do you make of that, of that development? Uh, I mean, on the first point, uh, whether uh, the coverage of uh, the foreign correspondent uh, is biased or not, uh, I think any reporting is uh, is biased um, based on your way of looking at things, based on what you ask by your editors, based on what they, back in your country, find the most interesting aspect of the story. Uh, there, it's true, there is no way to cover... Uh, it's actually very boring if you try and cover a story uh, all round. You always need to have an angle. And yes, I, I kind of uh, agree that uh, there were some bias and there were some angles which were uh, privileged, uh, especially during the, um, the coverage of, uh, of, the, of the protest. It's something we've discussed quite a bit at the Foreign uh, Correspondent uh, Club. Um, now, I also think that these, uh, these journalists who have been kicked out uh, did a very, very good job on uh, some of their stories. And also, just like the, the person who wrote the, the email uh, mentioned, they also mentioned the, the other story, like things which are not pleasing uh, for uh, America. So uh, it's, it's not, uh, it's not uh, the, a job that you can uh, do to uh, the perfection. As Anna herself told me, and I love this expression, journalism is the first draft of history. So we, we collect what we can. We, uh, we try and, uh, and be as uh, genuine as, uh, as possible when we do our uh, work. But uh, yeah, it doesn't please everyone. Are you concerned by the, the, the way that uh, Beijing has determined, uh, as a, I understand it for the first time, you know, whether journalists can practice in Hong Kong? Well, who can practice as a journalist in Hong Kong? Oh, that's very, very, very serious. That's super problematic, yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know how they will uh, implement that, but uh, uh, that's... I mean, if, if it is somehow implemented, it's the end of uh, good... Uh, and free journalism in, uh, in Hong Kong. It's very easy to implement, isn't it? You just say, well, you can't have a work visa in, for Hong Kong. Well, uh, Hong Kong is incredibly uh, free in terms of uh, journalism. Uh, I mean, you don't need... Uh, I was surprised when I arrived here, I arrived from Taiwan, and in Taiwan you need to be accredited to... The government allows you to be a journalist. Here, no. But, but you, you need a work visa, work. don't you? you? Yes, exactly. But you, you can have a work visa for, uh, say, for uh, something else. For example, me, I arrived here first as a spouse because my husband was the one posted here. Uh, I was there for a lot of work, and I was, I've always been a journalist for the last 30 years. So I continued my job, and I, I never met anyone who said, who are you going to work for? What do you report? What are your credentials? Uh, can we check your, uh, your background, uh, and uh, etc.? So uh, at the moment, I was very surprised initially, even when you go and meet a member of parliament, I mean, like back ten, uh, ten years ago, they would not even ask you some um, 
ID papers or whatever. Now they do, but uh, I thought it was remarkably uh, free in terms of uh, how we can uh, be journalists and be reporters in in this uh, part of China, actually. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, Florence Chagy, thank you very much indeed for joining us, correspondent for Le Monde and uh, French National Radio. And thank you to Ricardo Silvestri. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Ricardo, a contributor of uh, Forbes Italy. A couple of comments. Uh, Jay says the government is helping many businesses, but they're not helping the real public. The government should be interfering with the banking system and the credit card system because the interest is way too high and it's killing the local population when they don't have a job and ultimately the banks will take away their possessions and property with runaway credit cards. And uh, Bowen gets the last word uh, uh, with the subject, Anna's spot on. Bowen says, dear Backchat, I think Anna has touched on a touchy issue. The effect of most expats not wearing masks in Hong Kong. I think the truth must be that they've benefited from the discipline of the local Hong Kongers, referred to by your French guest, because 95% of the locals wear masks. Those who are carriers among them will not be capable of transmitting the virus to others, including the expats. The expats will continue to be safe until some asymptomatic carriers among them who don't wear a mask start transmitting the virus to others. That comes from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed uh, for that. Uh, Anna, thank you very much indeed. We'll be back at 8.30 tomorrow. Leaving you now with the latest weather. Cloudy with occasional showers. Visibility relatively low. Uh, outlook, a few showers tomorrow. Humid with fog over the weekend and early next week. And it's going to be warm during the day. 22 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at 85%. To prevent the spread of COVID-19, try flexible working hours and staggered meal breaks. Wear a mask on public transport. Avoid crowded lifts. Try not to hold large meetings and reduce face-to-face -face contact with colleagues. Avoid meal gatherings. Stay away from crowds after work. Wash hands frequently and keep the workplace clean. If you feel unwell, stay away from work and see your doctor. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. 34, the news now with Samantha Butler. The European Central Bank has announced a huge emergency bond-buying scheme to support the European currency, which has come under severe pressure because of the coronavirus. The president of the bank, Christine Lagarde, said the scheme would be worth 750 billion euros. Tokyo stocks opened more than 2% higher on the news, and the Hang Seng Index opened up but is now down about 63 points. A trial on nearly 200 patients at a hospital in Wuhan suggests a pair of HIV drugs don't improve recovery, reduce deaths or lower levels of the virus in patients with serious COVID-19. The drugs had no benefit beyond supportive care. The mainland has reported no new domestic cases of the coronavirus for the first time since it started recording them in January, but it said there were 34 imported cases, the biggest daily increase in two weeks. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good morning.